We're talking about the 9th of Av, and as I mentioned, how do we as Christians share in their grief on the 9th of Av as they mourn the destruction of both of the temples and Jerusalem? I mean, I've been there. I've I've uh, been on the Temple Mount multiple times. I've been where they beat him, where they, um, where he preached, where he taught, where he prayed, where he uh, ascended, where he was buried, where he rose, you know, walked in those places, and it changes your life forever. So th- this thought of this temple being destroyed twice <laughs> and all of the things, it, it's just horrendous, it's yeah. terrible tragedies. The consequences, though, of relentless rebellion. But there's so much more to the story than perpetual rubble. Now there's there's just there's much, much more. When Yeshua Jesus was born in 3 BC, the shepherds saw the glory of the Shekinah or the Shekinah that once dwelt in Solomon's temple. It appeared in the sky as the angels announced his birth. The coming of Christ in the flesh was just the first fruits of God's Shekinah glory coming to dwell within as Emmanuel, God with us. Listen to John 2. reveals how Yeshua Jesus forever changed the reality of what is a temple. Jesus answered, destroy this temple. I'll raise it again in three days. They replied, took 46 years to build this temple. You're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he spoke of was, of course, his body. He was the temple where the Shekinah dwelt. But his end game was still bigger. Now, be mindful that the Shekinah glory dwelled in Solomon's temple. It never did dwell in Herod's temple, unless when Jesus walked in and walked out. That was about it. 1 Corinthians 6. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You see, when Jesus... When Je- I, got South, I got Southern right there. When Add Je- those syllables. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross, the veil of Herod's temple was torn from top to bottom yes. to show that that separation between God and man was forever removed by Christ. John 20 says, He breathed on them and he said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. We became God's holy temple. He dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. So it's the ninth of Av, and some of us look like we've been destroyed, but no, it's not the truth. The fact is, we are temples of God. We are the temple. Revelation 21 Check this out. We see into eternity the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband having the glory of God. The walls are of jasper, the cities of pure gold. There's 12 foundations adorned with precious stones, gates for 12 pearls. But there are two things missing from the new Jerusalem which stand out to this Jewish disciple John. There shall be no night there. And I did not see a temple in the city because the Jehovah Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Mm. Now think about that. So should we grieve the loss or destruction? Yes and no, but the, the the no is kind of exciting. The bride is now the city, and within that great city, Jesus is the eternal temple, mm. and his glory is the fire that is never quenched. So you see, there's still uh, mourning over the wrong temple being destroyed. We're his bride, Jews and Gentiles who have Yeshua dwelling within. Those who reject the Messiah as their groom are perpetually fated to three weeks of fasting and sorrow, when this last three weeks had just ended, marriages are not normally held. Their loss is worthy of many tears, and the hope of the restoration to Yeshua is worthy of endless prayer. 
But the prophet Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations. It's a song of mourning for the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, which is ready in the synagogues on the 9th of Av. So on Saturday morning, they'll be reading this in Hebrew. The book is called Echa, meaning how. Echa. How, echa, lonely lies the city, once so full of people. How, echa, like a widow is she who once was great among the nations. She who was queen among the provinces has now become a slave man. Mm -hmm. For most of echa, Jeremiah is reporting about the suffering he sees. She weeps aloud in the night. Her friends have betrayed her. They have become her enemies. Judah has gone into exile. Jerusalem has sinned greatly. All her people groan. But then as we approach chapter 3, Jeremiah switches to first person. It becomes personal. Like I said, it, that's the whole secret here. It becomes personal. For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. I am a man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. When I read the stories of rebelliousness in the Torah, I think, how could they? And then God reveals my unfaithful heart. Like Jeremiah, I realize that I'm the real problem here. And like Jeremiah, I know hope remains. You know, there's only one verse that anybody really knows from Lamentations, Christians, that is. Yet I, call this, yeah, yet I call <laughs> this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Surely Jehovah's kindness is not consumed. Surely his mercy is not exhausted. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's also the ninth of off. Mourning over temples of rubble is a bit like deciding to go into the promised land on the 10th of Av after God has forbid you. Not a good call. Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. That's what they said. And you think that's a good repentance, right? And Moses said, this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for Jehovah is not among you, because you've turned away from Jehovah. Yeah. The ninth of Av is a time for mourning over different temples. It's a time to search our heart to make sure God has all of it. The word Echa appears for the first time in the Torah in the Garden of Eden. Now this is an interesting note. In Hebrew, Echa is written with the same letters as the word Ayacha. When God turns to Adam and Eve and says, where are you? Mm. I mean, this is not just a Jewish thing. This is the beginning of humanity. Echa is a perfect place to start for all of us, honestly asking God to examine the heart he indwells and reveal his condition to us. It's asking where we are, how we got here, echa, echa, with the purpose of finding a solution. The real purpose of Tishba'av, the ninth above, and the season of fasting is to quiet ourselves, to allow Yeshua, Jesus, to speak, and then to obey. As we submit to his whip, so to speak, Yeshua, Jesus, will get our temples in order, and Acts 3 will come about so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's what we want. Yeah. It's not just a temple. It's the presence. Yes. Luke 22, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The our ninth of Av should be a continual remembrance when we take bread, his body, the temple. And remember the destruction we caused on the cross. When we sip wine mingled with water, his blood of forgiveness poured out. And we commune with him in the temple of our body. You know, consider setting time aside each day for communion. I do that. That's one of those special times every evening is to spend a little bit of time with God and take communion. The temples that were destroyed and the tabernacle that preceded them were just a place for man to encounter God. And as such, they were just a picture of what was to come. And, and when we would be one, hmm. 
In Jesus, the temple is eternal. For Christians, the ninth of Av is a time to examine our union with God. It's to make time and to make time to meet with God and to be still and know him. Why? <laughs> Come in here, it's another feast day. No, it's a day that I want you to remember. It's a day that we have an opportunity because we are the temple of God and we can be a bit of a destruction ourselves.